1: Welcome to the New Books Network. Now it's duck hunting season. That, sir, is an investigated fabrication. It's wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. Duck season.
0: Wabbit season. Wabbit season. season. Duck season. Wabbit season. I say it's duck season, and I say... That
1: again.
0: Okay, I'll start it this time. Right!
1: Wabbit season! Duck season! Wabbit season! Wabbit season! Duck season! Fire!
0: Okay, this time you start it. Whatever you say. Wabbit.
1: I'm Mike. So, welcome back to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. This is the podcast where two lifelong friends and film lovers watch movies separately and talk about them for the first time. Today, we're doing something we've never done before. We've done animated films before. We've done The Red Turtle. We've done Spirited Away. But today, who are we talking about today, Mike? Bugs Bunny. We're talking about Bugs Bunny. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about Chuck Jones's famous hunting trilogy, it's called. It's comprised, it's comprised of three films, Rabbit Fire from 1951, Rabbit Seasoning from 1952, and Duck Rabbit Duck from 1953. So everybody calls this the hunting trilogy. We're going to kind of talk about them as if they're one movie. These are the famous movies, the famous films where it's rabbit season, duck season. Do you want to shoot them now? Wait till you get home. Shoot them now. Shoot them now. Daffy Duck gets shot in the face, had to keep readjusting his bill. There's a lot of gags like that. Bugs Bunny keeps dressing up as a woman to lure Elmer Fudd to his doom. So we want to talk about these as one movie. I forgot how we even started talking about these when one of us said we have to do the podcast about it. But in part one, we do our overall take. Mike, Chuck Jones, The Hunting Trilogy, go. One of the things
0: that I forget about these all the time, because of course I watched them in the early 90s in a on a television set inside of it an apartment is that th- these used to precede films or they would show uh, on the looney tunes when you would when you would go to the movies and you didn't necessarily know which looney tunes you were going to get and that's why you know they announced which characters are going to be in them so that you you see the title and then imagine your relief as you're sitting there that it's a bugs bunny cartoon and it's not necessarily it wasn't it wasn't necessarily for children by the time i watched it 40 years later uh, you know these these were for children, but they would just play. Right. Uh, they would just play before movies. You know we we talked last time when we did Limelight about um, an an artistry or an aesthetic of frustration, and this this certainly is the aesthetic of frustration. And I don't mean to over-intellectualize because obviously they work on a series of gags. It works when Bugs Bunny comes up, um, you know, dressed as a sexy woman. It works when um, bullets don't harm Daffy Duck. It works when you see the rabbit tracks first, and then you realize it's Daffy Duck wearing uh, mock uh, rabbit feet so that he can leave rabbit tracks all the way going to his door it even works when daffy duck asks uh bugs if he can borrow molasses in the winter and Bugs says i didn't know molasses would run in the winter here's one cup of molasses um they 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 all work i think on the same principle as a kurt vonnegut once gave a a little lecture on writing that they filmed for about a half an hour and he said a, a character just has to want something even if it's only a glass of water and i think that the these are these are high concept uh, shorts about frustration, where each character wants something that's uh, articulable in a single sentence. Which is, uh, Elmer wants sport. Daffy wants bugs to be destroyed, and Bugs wants not to be destroyed. And there, but there's something. How does Bugs Bunny actually strike you watching these three in a row? Because we didn't watch them now as as children kind of one at a time. We watched them all three with a critical eye. What do you make of him?
1: Bugs Bunny, the appeal of Bugs Bunny is that he is this, you know, Brooklynese wise guy who never loses his cool, right? He's the 007 of cartoon characters, right? That's why What's Up Doc is the perfect tagline, right? It's like Bond, James Bond or something. It's got even the pause like, eh. And he pauses, and then he says, what's up, Doc? Right? It's totally nonchalant. You know, Elmer Elmer Fudd points a gun at him and says, you know, if not 10, I'll blast you out, and counts to 10, which, of course, reminded me of Mission Impossible 3 with the rabbit's foot, but be that as it may. Bugs Bunny, of course, when that's going on, stands totally still. Daffy Duck is more like, I think, most of us. He's certainly more like me. We want to be like Bugs Bunny. Cool, funny, um, constantly, um, you know, underplaying your own jokes, but we're like Daffy Duck. How? we gesticulate we lose our cool we think we're really smart and putting down the stamps and things like that but we're not we think we have things figured out okay now you start now you start or i'll move the gun this way but all that the house always wins and that's why i think it's so funny
0: well, i think my my experience of life is that i'm continually hoisted by my own petard and that's <laughs> that's how daffy duck lives life because it, what ultimately defeats him is whatever he Sets out with if it's the signs, then it's the signs if it's trying to talk to Elmer Fudd, then it's talking to Elmer Fudd if it's, if it's any other kind of trickery or trying to expose Bugs Bunny. That's what ultimately gets him in the end and so he, he's the architect of his own destruction.
1: What's funny about being in the middle between Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck is, of course, Elmer Fudd, who is the consummate rule follower. That's what I thought watching them again for today. He, he, the universe is totally absurd, and the universe is totally arbitrary. The rules that govern the universe don't make any sense, right? Uh, is this a seeing rabbit? Oh, you don't have a license to shoot a seeing rabbit. Like It's like dealing with DMV. That's why it's so perfect in The Simpsons that Patty and Selma work at DMV, because it's this Kafka-esque kind of thing for, from which you can't escape, and that... Everything is arbitrary. Daffy Duck tries to make con- get control of that. I'm going to use the universe uh, against, against itself, and I'm going to come out on top. And Elmer will just do whatever he's told. Elmer's like a computer. He'll just do whatever's typed into him. But I think what's funny is Daffy Duck keeps... The more he struggles to control the universe, the, the worse the, the more he's hoisted by his own petard.
0: Yeah, Bugs Bunny comes out as the game warden at one point, which is only funny if you've ever applied for a hunting license. But that is actually who you're afraid of the the in the universe of the looney tunes uh bullets won't kill you uh you know you can be blown up as many times a, as you want and come back um you know you can rip a sign off of a tree and there's always a, another sign under it but the immutable laws of the universe belong to the game warden that's actually the, the scariest thing in the woods is not the guy with the gun it's the warden
1: so welcome back in part 2 we talk about our favorite moments mike what's yours
0: the thing that struck me as different than the other looney tunes is um i'm a wily e. coyote guy myself and they they have to continually invent bad things to happen to wily coyote e. coyote but the same bad thing happens to daffy duck in all three of these cartoons which is that every time he's shot his hair is ruffled and his bill spins around um and i it's that that's a great mechanic for what happens in the looney tunes universe when you when you get shot is that the the thing the thing that gets Daffy Duck in trouble every time is his mouth. And for some reason, he he's continually shot in the mouth in ways which we know to be harmful are themselves explosive, but are harmless, which is which is how most of the damage that's been done to me in my life gets done. It's is somehow it's it, it's something that you said or, or something that is is said to you and you're you're just you're struck in the mouth and that's that struck me somehow as as truer than if he had say he gets all of his feathers blown off every time and then comes back with feathers there's something about it it has to be the vehicle or organ through which he's trying to manipulate the universe that's what he keeps getting smacked in every time and it goes around and around and around until he tries to put it back in position and that that happens if it happens 7 times a cartoon it happens 20 times in the entire trilogy but but that's what they determined would be the way that they show how yeah. a gun works
1: that's great your mouth is your mouth is your biggest enemy i love what you said about wile e coyote because i it never occurred to me till just now that wile e coyote and daffy duck are so similar and if you remember the earlier or I don't think earlier, but the the versions of the Wiley e. Coyote cartoons where he speaks, because in some of them he doesn't talk at all. But remember when he speaks, he has his full name, and his full name is Wiley e. Coyote. Super, super genius. genius. Super genius. I like the way that sounds. And of course, uh, Daffy Duck thinks he's a super genius as well. And of course, they're but they both aren't. It's also funny because Wiley e. Coyote is either falling off a cliff all the time, or a giant rock will fall upon him, and it's easy to think about wildlife e. coyote and by extension daffy duck as being like sisyphus now you know about sisyphus right what what was sisyphus punished for in greek mythology what did he, what was his punishment to roll a
0: huge stone up a hill and never make it to the top.
1: Yeah. And every day at the, at the top of the hill, the stone would fall back down. And Albert Camus wrote a great essay called the myth of Sisyphus. And he says, you have to imagine Sisyphus happy. That's the only way to get to life is like, you're like Sisyphus, everything you try, you're going to be frustrated in, but you have to at least you have to, he says, you have to, um you have to overcome your punishment with school by scorning it. You have to be happy to push the rock. Now, of course, that's the antidote to the meaninglessness of life, but these guys are not happy. Daffy Duck is not happy pushing the rock. Cody Cody's not happy pushing the rock. They're constantly one step ahead of all the chaos in the universe, thinking they can handle it and they can't. And which of course makes it funny for us.
0: When you're in college and you're talking to your friends about any writer or band or musician that they like, uh your your one of your more annoying friends will always say the same thing about everything, which is their earlier stuff was better. And what strikes me about the Looney Tunes watching all three of them is that this is, this is actually, you could call it like fourth era Looney Tunes. This is in the early Looney Tunes. There's, you get a very different Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd is actually, uh, he's scary or menacing in some way. And And a different Daffy
1: duck and a different
0: who's just wacky and a different Daffy duck and part of, part of, I think what's going on with this Daffy duck is that Audiences didn't like the early Daffy Duck cartoons as much as they loved Bugs Bunny, who became a cultural phenomenon. And so what you have is you have a star who feels like he would be the funniest person on the planet if only he could get rid of this other guy that everybody loves. And so the the locus of his frustration, like what he desires to be is loved by the audience and be able to perform for the audience. And he breaks the fourth wall all the time. Uh, and that's why he's trying to get rid of Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd has been transformed from a menace to just kind of like a hapless guy with a speech impediment who vacillates between the two of them in their influence and what's beautiful about the Looney Tunes in the 1950s is that the earlier stuff while while it's great and there's so many of them that I like like if you remember uh I don't know if you remember that uh, Elmer Fudd is a Canadian mountie sure. and and Bugs Bunny you know tells me he's a disgrace to the uniform and pulls all the medals off him right but we're we're way past that even though we're only 5 or 6 years past that to the point where the audience understands that Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny are actually competing for their attention yes Th- that's why the rules of violence are actually suspended because it's it's all uh, it's all metaphorical violence.
1: And that's why there's that great episode, which you can't even find today. I mean, they'll never show these on TV anyway. You have to show your kids these on DVDs because heaven forbid that, you know, they don't have a social message or something and, and you know, they're too violent or whatever, so to speak. But that's why you never see the one today about where Bugs and Daffy are doing their stage act. And you remember at He's the end- He's got the
0: dynamite under the yeah, xylophone.
1: And at the, yeah, and at the end, do you remember, the only way Daffy Duck can, can beat Bugs Bunny at the end is he has to swallow the nitroglycerin and the uranium. Him 238 and he swallows a match and blows himself up. And he says, and Bugs Bunny finally says, Great job, Daffy, you did it. And he says, I know, but I can only do it once. And so they're they are rivals for our attention.
0: Which is why Daffy Duck continually gets shot in the mouth. Because what? Because all of these are very much Bugs Bunny cartoons. They all say Bugs Bunny in Duck Rabbit Duck, which means he's got top billing. Okay, welcome back. Of course, in part three, we always talk about the title or the endings or the key takeaways. I think we understand the key takeaways of of, of Bugs Bunny. So where are you going to go with this?
1: The timelessness of these never ceases to amaze me. There was recently a story about how the government tried to redo the fafsa form now the fafsa form to our listeners who may know or not know is the thing you apply to get financial aid for your kids i've done it many times you'll be doing it soon and um it is not easy and it's notorious for being cumbersome it's notorious for being confusing they were written by the acme corporation totally written by the acme corporation acme college aid kit absolutely absolutely so, they're notorious for that. The government decides they're going to, I don't know, have some task force. They're going to make it easier. The whole thing crashes. And I've done the FAFSA, and I'm a reasonably intelligent person, but I'm telling you, man, it is like playing 4D chess against Spock because you start doing it and you have your FAFSA ID, but then there's your loan ID and then you have your password. Not the, okay, let's just change the password. Let's start over. Oh, you have a profile. Has your kid done the profile? You got to link the profiles. It is so complicated. And I think that that's how Daffy Duck sees the universe. And he, Bugs Bunny doesn't do the FAFSA. He doesn't worry about it. He, you know, Elmer tries to do everything right. And even if it takes him all day long, but Daffy tries to get around it. And he tries because, and that's what the universe is like. The universe is one giant FAFSA form. And, and these three characters, Elmer, Bugs, and Daffy will respond to it in different ways.
0: Yeah, I think the, the key difference between Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny is what they is the way in which they approach the universe because bugs bunny is uh is passively drawn into confrontation every time yeah. he doesn't start out he wants to, to
1: stay in the rabbit hole
0: <laughs> he doesn't start out to screw with anybody nobody really knows what he's doing in there right it's 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 he he takes life as it comes and so i think that the that they're they're okay maybe maybe we are on the key takeaways but the the difference is that Daffy Duck is ultimately destroyed by the fact that he wants things. Elmer Fudd is frustrated by the fact that he's hunting. And there's there's almost like a, I don't know, a Bugs Bunny quietism about the <laughs> universe. That that the only, the, the way to draw yourself into coolness uh, is to accept it as it is without trying to change the things that cannot be changed. Again, apart from the fact that he's the central character, he is the most centered yes character right he knows who he is and that's why he can deceive other people into believing that he's someone else because they don't know who they are but he asks them who they are all the time right daffy duck says like let's get one thing straight you're a hunter right and he says right but is he really cuz he cuz then he says he's a vegetarian and he's just doing it to get some exercise that's why he's out in the woods
1: i just do but, this for sport
0: right the the only person who really knows who they are is bugs bunny and i think that's because he he accepts the world as it is and he doesn't try to make any changes because when you try to make changes that's when things
1: blow up in your face and speaking of blowing up in your face let's talk about the very end of the trilogy so at the very end it's all over and Daffy duck says everybody knows it's really duck season and i love that moment let's get really highbrow henry james once said, yes, I'm bringing in Henry James from our discussion of Chuck Jones. Henry James once said that the most understandable and recognizable of human faults is this. You ready for this? I love this. Not knowing when to stop. <laughs> Just not knowing when to stop. And that's what I love about these. Do you remember when Paul Newman Talks to Robert Redford in the sting, and they're setting up the sting. They're they're gonna they're gonna get Robert Shaw. Do you remember what he cautions him? He says, "Listen, we're gonna do this, but you're not gonna be able to do what when it goes down." He says, "You're not gonna be able to like let Robert Shaw know." that we did this whole thing. Remember? He says, you can't do it. He says, you're not going to have that moment of satisfaction where you get to let Robert Shaw know that we're the guys that tricked him. He's never going to know. And you have to be able to live with that. And that's what Paul Newman's worried about here. Bugs, I mean, a Daffy Duck cannot resist showing off. He doesn't know when to stop. He cannot resist opening his mouth and saying, everybody knows it's duck season. And of course, that is his own petard. We do the whole, we do that to ourselves all the time. That's how we get into trouble all the time in real life, is that we we want to be like Bugs Bunny leaning on the gun, all confidence, but we're really so much like Daffy Duck. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed our conversation about the hunting trilogy. You can follow us on Twitter at 15MINfilm. You could follow us where else. Letterboxd. Follow us on Letterboxd. Let us know what to watch next time. Thanks for listening.